the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. The Jacksonville Jaguars find themselves in a different situation than the past two NFL drafts. Instead of having the first overall pick, like in 2021 and 2022, they won't select a player until the 24th pick. That's the price of success. But with 21 of 22 starters returning next season, the Jaguars appear to be in good shape to repeat as AFC South champions. All told, they'll have nine draft picks in 2023 as they look to fill the few voids they have. What will they do with those picks? And could some trades be in the works? I don't know, but I know someone who might. His name is Demetrius Harvey, and he covers the Jaguars for the Florida Times Union in Jacksonville. He's about to join us and tell us what his recent reporting suggests the Jaguars might be thinking. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper and, of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Demetrius Harvey and the other great writers at the Times Union, including Gary Smits and Justin Lewis, have been pounding their keyboards over the past few weeks as they broke down every possible position in the NFL draft, including what the needs of the Jaguars might be. So let's bring in Demetrius and get down to it. Demetrius, welcome back to the podcast. It's good to be back. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Looking forward to the draft. We're just days away. And last year, we're talking about what are the Jags going to do at number one again? Well, this year, we're looking at number 24. They had a much better than expected season winning the AFC South. So where do you foresee the Jaguars going with that pick in the first round at number 24? Yeah, it's going to be a lot different. You know, obviously the last couple of years, we've been pretty certain about who they're taking number one. No one really doubted for much of a second that Trevor Lawrence was going to be the number one pick. And then, you know, last year, obviously um, it was Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker. And then as the draft got closer, it was clear that it was going to be Walker, you know, the size, the speed, all that good stuff. Um, this year is going to be completely different. You know, th- this year the, the Jags are picking 24th and it's so far down that you can't really know exactly how many of a certain position group is going to be there um, or anything of that nature. You know, yesterday at the um, or on Thursday at the um, pre-draft luncheon that the Jaguars held, general manager Trent Balky sort of said, you know, having all those guys, the the quarterbacks and maybe the positions they don't necessarily need going before them, it really helps them understand, you know, how many players could possibly be there. And at 24, you know, they're, they're going to have to make, you know, a tough decision because they have a couple of different holes, you know, obviously on the offensive line, um, cornerback or, 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 or nickel really. And then they have tight end issues um, and they want to improve the pass rush. So, you know, at that 24 spot, I mocked them recently having Osiris Torrance in there at left guard. I think that that still would be a pretty good pick for them because of the issues that they've had at left guard in the past. Ben Barch um, still hasn't recovered completely from his um, dislocated knee. 
you know, that, that he suffered last year in week five against the Texans. So having Torrance in there at left guard, I feel like, which would shore that up. And then you have Trevor Lawrence being able to be protected just like he was last year. So um, if I had to guess, I think that that's sort of the direction that they'll head in. But, you know, obviously cornerback, Healy Ringo, Cam Smith, Joey Porter Jr., guys like that, Brian Branch, um, who can play inside and at safety. And then tight ends, uh, Michael Mayer, uh, Dalton Kincaid, those kind of guys will be interesting to see, um, you know, if, if they're there, you know, if they go ahead and select them. You know, when you look at the number of quarterbacks, there could be up to five taken before the Jaguars even pick. So in a way, it's kind of like having the 19th draft pick, which still, I mean, that that's a little bit down on, on the list, but you're already eliminating things. And then, you know, there's a couple of wide receivers that might get taken early too. And, you know, with, with now the Jaguars have Ridley and they have, you know, uh, Christian Kirk and they have Zay Jones and they have Evan Ingram. So, you know, now you're looking at maybe you, you've only got about 15 players, 16 players. So, you know, it, you whittle them away and you see what falls down to you. And, you know, you, you do mention tight end and I'm not sure if they would go with that in the first round, maybe in the second round. But you're right, if the right player fell. But right now, Evan Ingram, you know, he hasn't shown up. Uh, for the for the OTAs and or for the camp, you know the non mandatory camp that's been going on, and he's he's you know they've got the franchise tag out there. He still hasn't signed that as they work on a long term deal. Chris Manhurts, one of the backups left for Denver. Dan Arnold hasn't been re signed. So you know what's going on with that tight end position? Do you think that they'll get Ingram his long term deal this year? And you know and what might they draft there? Yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see. It was actually kind of interesting, and, and I think it kind of told a little bit of, of the direction that they're heading in yesterday. Doug Peterson spoke very highly of the tight end room, which consists of only Ingram, um, Luke Farrell, who only has, I think, around 12 career catches, and then Garrett Prince, who spent last year on the practice squad as a rookie out of, I think, I, I'll probably get it wrong, it might have been UAB, or it was a smaller school. So, like, the, the, the point being is that they don't have the depth there, and yet Doug says, you know, they, they really love that group, which is kind of interesting to me because usually during these pre-draft um, – conferences you know they'll they'll talk about needing to improve this kind of position um but then when they kind of flip the switch and they say that they love this group of players that they do have it kind of to me tells the opposite which means that they don't necessarily love it um they want to improve it and i think that they know that they're going to improve it so um you know it would be a little bit of a surprise to see them pick a tight end at 24 only because i know that they have uh bigger value or, 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 or bigger needs at certain positions like the offensive line, like cornerback that we already talked about. Um, so, you know, if, if they were to go in that direction, Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, both of those guys sort of make sense. Um, and as far as Evan, Evan Ingram goes, you know, it, it would be tough to see a long-term extension coming quickly because of all the draft stuff and everything. But, Prior to training camp, I think that they're going to hammer home something. You know, we, we haven't gotten to the mandatory part of of the offseason yet, so they they don't necessarily have to be there. Um, you know, Evan's not the only guy probably that's not at the Jaguars camp, but it makes sense that he's not there right now. But, you know, once we get into the mandatory parts and sees, you know, all of a sudden he's going to have to. Uh, figure out what he wants to do because I believe they have only until July 17th um, to work out a 
a long-term deal. Otherwise, he's going to have to play the year on the franchise tag. Yeah, and I could see them holding off a little bit because you have to see what they're going to draft. They've got those contracts. They don't have too much you know, left under the cap space. And also, you're also looking at if you sign him to a long-term deal, you're about to have to give Trevor Lawrence, you know, basically a Caribbean island here. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But, uh, you know, so I could see them kind of holding off on Engram and getting some of those other things done. But I agree. They'll, they'll hammer it out, hopefully, before that July deadline. So, you know, as I mentioned, you know, the Jaguars have all of their starters back, essentially, but one, and that's Juwan Taylor, the offensive lineman who signed a, you know, a huge deal, four years, $80 million with the Kansas City Chiefs, which is something the Jaguars obviously couldn't match at this time. So, you know, but what are some of those other needs that they're going to fill after that first round or second round if they take a tight end and an offensive guard, let's say? You know, they've got nine total picks. They have one in the second, one in the third, two in the fourth none in the fifth, three in the sixth, and one in the seventh. So what other spots are they going to be looking to fill or maybe, uh, you know, getting good backups? or So what should we look at there? Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll probably have to, you know, if they've already addressed tight end, offensive line, I think that the next priority is going to be edge. I mean, and, and that priority could be even higher than both tight end and offensive line, depending on how they feel the board fell and, and, and things of that nature. I think the edge is something that they need, which is kind of crazy to say because, you know, they just took Trayvon Walker last year. They took Josh Allen in 2019 at, at, at the seventh overall pick. Um, but the, the facts are that, you know, they, they don't have that pass rush that, that they needed last year or, or they didn't. Even with guys like Arden Key and Dewan Smoot, both of which aren't in Jacksonville anymore, Smoot could still go and go, go to Jacksonville since he's still a, a free agent. But, you know, they're still losing so many valuable reps. I think that that's probably the, the, the general area that they're going to address. And then, you know, getting depth, I, I think that that's something that they don't have necessarily depth at safety, depth at cornerback. I think that those are going to be some key positions to target. Um, and then, you know, obviously, if they do go guard, they could easily go tackle uh, later on. You know, they still do need a swing tackle. They signed Josh Wells, uh, but it's not necessarily a player that you're super excited about because, you know, he's he's older. He's coming off of a knee injury um, and, you know, he, he just doesn't have that necessarily that that skill set that you want in a guy who can for sure play you know, five or six games if needed uh, at left or right tackle. So, you know, they have a lot of interesting areas to fill, but you're right. You know, they, they, they're bringing back 21 guys as starters. You know, they have a pretty good core locked in um, and really it's just all about depth now. Yeah. You know, speaking of depth, one place where they're pretty well stacked is at running back. You've obviously got Travis Etienne behind him is Jamichael Hasty. You bring in Dearness Johnson from Cleveland. You've got last year's draft pick in Snoop Connor, And you always have Jamal Agnew, who can play receiver, running back, whatever you need from him. But I've also seen some people say, hey, let's say Bajan Robinson, the Texas running back, is still hanging out there at 24. He probably won't be, but let's say he is. Could you see the Jaguars just taking best available athlete? Because he is a player that, if this was 2006, he'd go in the top three. And nowadays, running backs don't get that type of respect anymore because of durability and injuries and overuse. But, I mean, this guy, he's supposed to be, you know, Saquon Barkley. He's supposed to be that generational player. So could you see something like that happening? As crazy as it sounds, I could. You know, it if if Bajon 
Robinson is as good as everyone says he is. And as I've seen, you know, just watching Texas games over the years, um, he absolutely could be a, a, a potential pick there because just because they have Travis Etienne and, and Dearness Johnson, Jermichael Hasty, guys like that, it doesn't mean that, that they're completely, you know, certain that that group is at the best of its ability. Now, it's going to come down to value. It's going to come down to, does this make sense? You know, if you have Osiris Torrance there that could fill an immediate need, um, or if you have Robinson there who is more of a luxury, you know, I don't expect him to necessarily be there at 24, but he would be a, a, a luxury pick where, you know, you already have guys and now you're going to have to fill in his role. You know, how many snaps does that take away from 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 ETN? How many snaps does that take away from the other running backs? And what do you sort of do? But, you know, it, it's 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 one of those things where it's a rare occasion where the talent sort of outweighs all of that uh, that other stuff where you're thinking, OK, you know, if we have this guy, though, you know, we're going to be able to score that much more. And, and, and this is a, a scoring league, you know, as much as you want to improve the defense. If you have an elite offense, if you have an offense that can score on every single drive against any defense in the league, uh, you're probably going to win the game. So I, I think that it, it probably won't happen. But those are some of the reasons why I think that it could. Oh, certainly. Yeah. And, and you know, with Trent Balky, of course, you, you never really know what he's going to do. Tricky Trent, you know, uh, he's an interesting guy to keep up with. And, and I know trades are even hard to predict, but, you know, do you see a, a scenario where maybe Balky trades away some of those picks and, you know, with nine in there? And if he does, what position do you think he's trying to acquire? Yeah, I mean, trades are interesting. You know, obviously you don't know until, until the pick is there, but absolutely. We've already seen he's willing to trade up. Um, he traded up for Devin Lloyd last year. He went all the way from the second round to the uh, first round again. Now they didn't have to go very far, um, but you know it was still a few picks where you know he he made the decision to go ahead and do that. And they had to give up some capital. I think they had to give up a fifth round pick and maybe more. I don't remember. Um, but you know it, it's it it will be interesting to see because this year the Jaguars said you know Trent Baalke said yesterday that he has are they have 127 players on their board and those are the players that they feel perfect about you know talent wise you know fit in the locker room culture high character those are like their their 127 best players now if all 127 are gone before the the end of the fourth round which is actually funny because they have the 127th pick which is in the fourth round so you know if if all those players are gone then they're probably going to have to dive into the pool you know that they don't necessarily love but you know you already have you still have these picks so um to me that points to maybe they feel like the draft is pretty good all the way through that pick and then you know afterward it's going to get dicey so you know being able to trade up in the fourth round for example um for a tight end or 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 for an 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 edge rusher or, or somebody who can provide more pass rush i think that that would make sense i think that you know giving up a couple of six or maybe just one sixth um, would make sense in this type of draft, which isn't viewed necessarily as deep as as in years past. Yeah, well, 127 players. Let's see, we're going to divide that by three. That's roughly 32. You, Gary Smits, and Justin Lewis are going to be real busy in advance of the draft writing 42 stories each, aren't you? <laughs> Absolutely. That's exactly what we're going to do. <laughs> hey, better get typing now. Um, so, you know, the Jaguars, they were they were one of the quietest teams in free agency around the entire NFL. So, you know, talk about some of the key moves that they made during the offseason, uh, you know, leading up to the draft. What were some of the things they filled there? 
Yeah, I think that this offseason, they kind of came out before the offseason began and said, hey, we're not going to be big players in free agency. We want to take, uh, take care of our own players. Um, they did that to a degree. They were able to bring back, obviously, Evan Ingram on the franchise tag. They brought back Dewey Wingard, who is a, a pretty good special teams player, and he's been being paid as the highest paid special teams player in the league right now. Um, they, 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 they restructured some guys to make more cap space. Uh, they brought, brought back Adam Gotsis for some depth, uh, you know, Trey Herndon, you know, they, they, they made sure to, to bring back the guys that they could. Obviously they lost out on guys like Arden Key, uh, Jawan Taylor, and then in the actual free agency of outside free agents that they brought in, you know, they only were able to, um, get sort of, uh, I don't want to say low level, but like, you know, cheaper sort of players that can fill roles as far as depth and camp bodies as they get to the, the 90 man roster. Again, they brought in Michael Dogby from, you know, Arizona. They brought in Henry Mondu from, from, uh, the, the giants. They brought in, uh, Dearness Johnson that we already talked about before, you know, they, they, they brought in a, a few guys that could sort of fill those depth roles. And then they brought in Josh Wells and the other offensive linemen. So, it, it, it was a quiet off season. I think that's something that we haven't really seen in Jacksonville in many, many years because they normally are one of the teams that are going to pay, you know, top tier money for even a just good player. Um, you know, I, I think it just goes to show how they feel about their roster. And then obviously, you know, they had to figure out the cap space issues. One of the areas that I look at that's going to be super interesting where, where I, you know, I think they're very set is wide receiver. But, you know, you've got Christian Kirk, who signed a really big deal. You've got Zay Jones, who signed a big deal. You know, you've got Evan Engram, who had a, a really good year last year. Marvin Jones kind of became the odd man out, even though the prior year he was the team leader in receiving yards. Now you're adding Calvin Ridley. How is all of this going to work? Is somebody going to end up getting their feelings hurt when they're not getting enough passes or yards or touchdowns during the season? Yeah, you know, I was actually kind of joking with, with someone the other day, you know, when Calvin said he's a 1400 yard receiver, uh, what he means obviously is that he, he has that potential, you know, who, who knows what, what, what's going to happen, but it got me thinking, you know, if he gets 1400 yards, um, what does that mean for Christian Kirk? That means that Kirk is probably going to be a little bit less. Um, you know, Evan Ingram is probably going to go down a little bit and then maybe Zay Jones goes down a little bit as well. But, you know, the, the, the biggest thing here is that, you know, Hey, if, if they do have three 1000 yard receivers, I guess they're the greatest show on turf 2.0. Um, you know, it, 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 it's going to be really interesting to see because the, the, the target share last year was, you know, obviously primarily to Kirk and then primarily to Zay Jones and then especially later in the season to Evan Ingram. Now it's going to be split another way, which will probably impact their production. But, you know, at the same time, perhaps they are going to be one of those teams that have, you know, two 1,000 yard receivers. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Miami did it last year, obviously having incredibly talented receivers and, and, um, and, and, and Jaden Waddle and, and, and Tyreek Hill, you know, those are guys that are going to produce. So um, I think that it could be similar in Jacksonville, at least with Christian Kirk and, um, and, and Calvin Ridley. But yeah, I, I do think that, you know, other players are probably going to have to suffer because of that addition. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you look at it, you mentioned Miami, you know, their tight end kind of became the odd man out. And now he's on new England. So, uh, you know, uh, you, you hope that they can keep them all happy and, uh, Going into the 2022 season, Trevor Lawrence, you know, the over-under in Vegas was 4,000 yards, and he hit the over. He had about, you know, just about 4,100. 
this year, what are they going to have to do? Set it at 5,000 yards. So, uh, you know, I haven't seen those numbers out yet, but of course I always look for those things because I love prop bets before the season. And once those are out, we'll write about that. But, you know, speaking of Trevor Lawrence, okay, earlier this week or really last week now, Jalen Hurts signs the largest deal ever at five years and $255 million, which breaks down to an average of $51 million a year, just a smidge more than Patrick Mahomes makes. So, you know, Joe Burrow is going to get probably a larger deal than that. What does this mean for Trevor Lawrence, who is, you know, like I said, they're, they're going to have to offer him a Caribbean island. Shad Khan's got that like half billion dollar yacht he has. What, on, what type of Brinks? They're going to need a bigger than a Brinks truck. They're going to need a Zeppelin filled with money. So w- what type of deal do you foresee Lawrence getting here? Yeah, it's good that the Jags are, are sponsored by TIA Bank. Maybe they can help <laughs> out there somehow or, or or whatever, you know, Shad Khan's yacht. Um, but 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 yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting because when you see these numbers for quarterbacks, it just keeps going up. And, and you know, this this one was significantly more at least I think it was around 12 percent higher than Kyler Murray, who was the last young quarterback to to sign a deal. Um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see because you you do have Joe Burrow that's coming up. You have Justin Herbert that's coming up. You have Lamar Jackson who is probably going to be the next up unless the Ravens somehow fumble that, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see because I think that at this point uh, it can only skyrocket. You know, the, the, the the salary cap is going to go up significantly next year with the deals with Amazon, with the deals with YouTube and all that different kind of revenue that that's going to be kicking in. Um, And and I think that, you know, at that point, once Trevor's, you know, eligible, which is after this season, um, you know, the Jaguars should, should hurry up and go ahead and get him signed because, it's only going to keep going up. I think that he can absolutely be um, the next, you know, big time quarterback to sign a deal. And I think that it's going to be maybe even up to 60 million a year. It, it, it really could be that much just because of how we've seen it sort of skyrocket. Say, say uh, Justin Herbert signs for 54 a year or 53 a year. Lamar Jackson signs for 52. Um, and then Joe Burrow signs for 55 or, 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 or 56 per year, you know, those are significant jumps, but it's realistic when you think about how the landscape of the NFL is changing. And, you know, at that point, maybe Trevor Lawrence does sign for, you know, 300 million over, over five years, which would be astronomical, but you know, it's a, it's a possibility. Why didn't God make me six and a half feet tall with a cannon arm? I just don't know there, Demetrius. And, you know, the fun thing will be when, when Joe Burrow signs his deal, he's known for his celebratory cigars. He's probably going to have a stogie that looks like a paper towel roll. I tell you what, he'll be celebrating. So. <laughs> it's going to be wrapped in gold. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so when you look at the AFC South, and, you know, I know this is going to change, but the starting quarterbacks right now, when you look at the rosters, you have Davis Mills in Houston. And they're probably going to take someone with that second pick. You have Gardner Minshew for Indianapolis. And you very well could see Anthony Richardson or someone else go there. Then there's Ryan Tannehill for Tennessee. And we're not even sure if he's going to start the season there because there's rumblings of what happens with him. You know, they took Malik Willis last year. So, you know, when you look at the the starters in the AFC South, I mean, you know, things are looking really good for the Jaguars. You know, um... How do you how do you kind of see this division playing out, given all of that information and how you could have turnover at three of the four teams at QB position? Yeah, I, I think it's crazy that recently um, people were speculating that the Texans might not even take a quarterback there at number two, which to me would be um, 
a, a big mistake, but at the same time, you can kind of get it because the, this quarterback class isn't that highly thought of. So maybe they just want to sort of wait another year, but that sort of plays into the Jags favor too. You know, if, if they don't go CJ Stroud and they go Will Anderson or something, um, you know, they're not going to have that quarterback. They're going to have Davis Mills again, who, you know, wasn't that good uh, last season. He just wasn't, you know, they had Driscoll playing some and, and doing this like weird, you know, swapping of the quarterbacks during the game, which to me is just ridiculous. But, you know, m- moving on to like the Colts and, and the Titans, the Colts are probably going to take a quarterback from from what everybody said, you know, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. But at the same time, you know, those guys aren't necessarily, in my opinion, ready to roll right away. They're not there's no Trevor Lawrence prospect in this draft. There's there's not going to be that instant fire, which plays into the Jags hand. You know, they're, they're going to be able to, you know, just roll through with the same playbook they had last year with with added uh, Calvin Ridley. You know, they're, they're progressing upward, whereas, in my opinion, you know, teams like the Texans. Uh, and, and the Colts, they might be, you know, about to start their their upward trend, but they're nowhere near the same level of development, at least from what we saw last year as the Jaguars. And the same goes for the Titans, you know, and instead they're sort of on the downward trend. They're going to have to figure out, you know, how long Derrick Henry can even be there anymore. Um, you know, Ryan Tannehill, is he going to start? And, and, if, and if he does, you know, how, how productive can he be coming off of an injury? He's getting older. I think he's around 34. Um, you know, so there's a lot of unknowns within the AFC South and then the Jaguars are sort of there where they they sort of know what what to expect. They they understand what they have. And I think that that's that's something that's going to play into their favor, which I mean, to me, means that they they probably can win the AFC South again that this coming season. I, I just don't see the other teams, even if they do draft quarterbacks, you know, all around. I just don't see them necessarily getting there uh, in year one. Yeah, I mean, given some of the other talent at positions, I could see why the Houston Texans may want to take something for the future, uh, keep Davis Mills there, try and be the worst team in the NFL this year, and get into the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Yeah. You know, and um, on uh, another podcast I did earlier this week on the Buccaneers draft, and I, I ask everybody listening to this podcast, go listen to that because. Uh, you know, Ira Kaufman, he's been covering the Buccaneers for 30 years. And I asked him, you know, do you see maybe the the Buccaneers taking Hendon Hooker maybe at number 19? And he said he doesn't think so only because the Buccaneers are not going to be good this year. No one really expects them to be all that great. So they may want to get into the QB sweep stakes because, I mean, you do have a lot of players, you know, not just Caleb Williams, but I mean, you know, Sam Hartman out of Notre Dame could be pretty good. You know, there's a lot of other guys. Jordan Travis stock could elevate. You've got Michael Penix up there in Washington. So, you know, the next year is going to be a really good quarterback draft. So if you see people gun shy on some of these guys that, you know, and, and making what could seem like confusing picks now, that could be the reason why. So we'll watch that Houston situation. But I think the Colts, if they have Anthony Richardson there, they were at all the Florida games this year. They love his physicality. And even though he's a raw project, you know, I, I think you're going to see him taken there. So, you know, it will be uh, it will be interesting. But, you know, looking at the schedule for the Jaguars and a few weeks back, I, I did a story where, you know, they haven't announced the dates yet. They haven't announced the time. So I kind of broke things down and gave some, uh, you know, some predictions on what would happen. And as I was doing research, I found that the Jaguars have not been on Monday night football since 2011. They have not been on Sunday night football since 2008. So my thoughts were, you might see Kansas City and Jacksonville on a Monday night. You know, who wouldn't want to see Trevor Lawrence 
and Patrick Mahomes. They played twice last year. Kansas City eliminated the Jaguars from the playoffs. And on Sunday night, Cincinnati at Jacksonville, who wouldn't love to see Joe Burrow playing against, uh, you know, uh, Trevor? So, uh, you know, do you think, uh, what do you think of those picks? And uh, do you think both streaks will end here in 2023? I do. I, I think I think that those picks would be a good. First of all, you know, obviously the 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 intrigue with with Burrow and and Lawrence, sort of their second, you know, go ahead go ahead, you know, in the NFL, their third overall. You know, obviously Burrow got them uh, the last two times in the in the national championship, the first time, and then obviously um, against the Jaguars in 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 2021, the uh, the the infamous Cincinnati game. So. You know, I, I think that that would be intriguing. I think that obviously Sunday night or, or Monday night, that would be great. The same thing goes for uh, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes versus Lawrence. They've already had two great matchups. You know, the first go ahead, it wasn't really that that great for the Jaguars. But, you know, that that divisional round matchup was really close. If Jamal Agnew doesn't fumble, who knows what 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 happens there? So, you know, I, I do think that both streaks are going to be broken. I'd be shocked if they didn't have at least three primetime matchups. And that includes the Thursday night football game. I think that having at least one Monday night, having one Sunday night and one Thursday night would be great. You know, the, the, the NFL is kind of weird. They'll, they'll give certain teams a, a ton of, of, of a uh, Sunday night or, or, or primetime games. And then they're, they're not that great, but you know, they had that huge market and you kind of expected, I think the Broncos were on, you know, every single primetime game. It felt like for a while, you know, that those, the, those type of teams that they don't necessarily predict them to struggle. So, uh, all of a sudden they're 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 you know one and in, in, in eight or whatever it was and, and and they're on prime time you know they have to fix that so with, with the jags they're going to be hesitant i don't think they're going to get that five you know prime time games that, that some teams get but you know absolutely i think that at least three and then one sunday night one monday night to break the streaks i think that that's going to be great and of course you always have the london game uh, my choice there, I think that they'll probably play Carolina, which will be cool just in that, you know, they've got the number one overall pick this year. The Jags had it the last two years. So you could see the past three number one overall picks in one game. And of course, Carolina, I mean, you know, they, they brought in Adam Thielen and they've done some other good things this offseason. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on that. Now, I look at the schedule and my prediction is 11 and six. Am I too optimistic or how do you foresee this going? It's tough. I mean, this is going to be a different schedule than than in years past. You know, they're going to play the first round teams, are are the are the first the 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 top division teams in in terms of of where they finished last season. So you know, it it, it it's going to be interesting because last year they played the the last the the, the last place teams. They they didn't have to necessarily go up against heavy hitters. Uh, they they had to play Kansas City and, and teams like that, but they didn't really have. Um, the, the the schedule where, where where you're looking at and you're like this is daunting. Now this year it's a little bit different. They're playing the 49ers. They're going to be playing the, uh, the the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Buffalo Bills. They're going to be playing the Baltimore Ravens. The you know we already talked about the Panthers, the Chiefs. You know all these teams are either on on the rise or already really good. Now what they have going in their favor though the jaguars is that they still do play within their division they play two games each uh so that six you know sort of wins that they you know conceivably could have they would be the favorites and and i think all of those matchups if we were to play them today um so you know I, while 11 seemed for me seems a little bit too high only because last year um there were a lot of games that could have gone either way and and that works in in, in both 
directions. But, you know, I think that that sort of slow start offense that they had going last year, I don't think that that would match up well with with the teams this year. Now, you know, perhaps they they do get better. Perhaps that Calvin Ridley can provide that spark so they can start faster. And in that case, yeah, absolutely. 11 games isn't isn't too far out of line. I think that that's sort of where their uh, bar should be set. Yeah, they always have that one bad division loss where they'll lose to Houston or something. So sadly, I don't think that they'll win all six, but maybe four and two, maybe five and one. We'll see. But you're right. I, you know, I like what Tre- uh, what Trevor Lawrence was saying the other day in that, you know, hey, I'm going into my second year with the same playbook. So, you know, he had to learn Urban Myers as a rookie. He had to learn Doug Peterson's going into year two. Well, now he's got 17 games of that and he's just going to be improving on it. So, you know, I, I certainly look for their offense to, you know, get off to a lot better start than they did last year. But, you know, hey, we, we've got a few months. We're getting down to it. But let's get through the draft first and then let's get the season underway. So, Demetrius, what haven't we talked about today uh, that you might want to get in front of the audience? Yeah, you know, obviously we're continuing our our position breakdowns on the on on jacksonville.com. We'll we'll have that going and then obviously the draft coverage n- next week is going to be interesting. We're going to have uh I'm going to try to do a a by the numbers sort of uh draft thing for the Jaguars in terms of, you know, how they've drafted, you know, over the course of their history and then uh breaking down sort of Trent Baalke's draft picks, you know, how many trades he's made, th- things of that nature. So you know, we have a bunch of stuff going um, at jacksville.com, so just tune in. That's right. And on draft night and through draft weekend, Clayton Freeman will be running our uh, blog. Uh, yourself, Gary Smits, Justin Lewis, you're going to be writing features on the players they do pick. And no, I was just kidding. I'm not going to make these guys write 147 stories leading up to the draft. I'm not that mean. Am I, Demetrius? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> All right. And of course, you know, again, Jacksonville.com is the place to find it. Or where can they follow you along on Twitter? Because I know you have an ample Twitter following. Yes. You know, we we are all unverified now, but you can follow me on Twitter at at Demetrius82. I promise I'm the only one out there. I don't think that many people are going to be uh, faking my profile. But yeah, you can follow me at Demetrius82. And I, I usually talk on there, you know, every day. So just go ahead. Demetrius, as always, it's a pleasure. You know, I love talking to you. You know this subject as well as anybody. And uh, it's always a pleasure, and I can't wait to read your coverage. Thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Have a good one. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote the Roman emperor, Marcus Aurelius, it is not death that a man should fear, but he should fear never beginning to live. Okay, so I recently watched Gladiator. That's what inspired me. Great movie. Thanks for listening, and join me again next time. (laughs) 